Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Pastor Josh Delarosa. This week we're in our second message of this series of messages called Navigating the Tension. And what we're looking at in this series of messages is that the fact that there's an awkward tension that comes up with issues that stir up the differences we have with other people. Let's just face it. We have different opinions on issues in life. And in a church, I mean, you have just different opinions. And so the people in the room, we we make up a collective variety of thoughts and opinions and preferences. And we're going to look at that because if if you don't talk about that, that is a real, it can be a real tension point for people on how do you get along over the long haul with people if you don't agree on everything. I'm specifically talking about differences of, of opinions and preferences in regards to the gray matters in life. And by gray matters or the gray areas in life, I mean those, those minor points where the Bible is not clear that it's black and white. The Bible is clear on some points that black and white on some issues, but then you find out there are some issues that come up in life that are more minor points. They're gray areas. And God in the Bible, he gives guidance to us on how to navigate so that we can know what's the right way forward in our relationships, which sadly, it's not always obvious on how to, how to deal with the relational tension that comes up. Uh, we come from a variety, a wide variety of backgrounds. So in the room even, I mean, maybe some of you are here and you've, you've been a Christ follower a Christian for a long time. And so maybe this morning the passage we'll look at will be like a helpful reminder, just allowing you to realign with God's guidance in the Bible. Uh, For some here, I imagine the passage we'll look at might be the very first time you've seen this passage. It might be the very first time you've you've wrestled with this issue. And maybe you're a Christ follower, but you're new to Christianity and the Christian faith. And so maybe this will just help you figure out, okay, here's how we move forward relationally. Uh, If you're here and you in and you didn't grow up having a church background, and this is new to you, coming to church is new to you, then you might be surprised to hear that God actually gives us wiggle room. He gives us space on the less important matters of, of life. I remember about 11 years ago when we were starting our church, we used to meet for our first uh, about eight months at a middle school about a mile from here. And I remember preaching through this same passage that we're going to look at this morning. And as I was in the message, I noticed there was a guy on the front row, and he was sort of on the edge of his seat. And he was just leaning in, very engaged. I could tell he was really into what, what we were looking at this morning. And, and right after service was over, he did a beeline for me, and he said, Hey, I just want you to know I really appreciated that message because, he said, I have all sorts of strong opinions. And, and I've never felt like I could belong in most churches because I have these strong opinions. And he proceeded to tell me about some of his thoughts and his opinions, and, and he was right. They were pretty extreme. <laughs> I'm agreeing with him as he's sharing. I'm like, yep, yep. And he said, hey, what do you think about that? And I, and I, I gave him a few of my thoughts because he asked me directly. And I said, but you know what? Just as I mentioned a moment ago, it's really okay. It's really okay. Because these issues that we're talking about are minor points. These are not the essentials of the Christian faith. These are minor issues. And so in that conversation, it was... We were agreeable. We, were, we actually agreed to disagree on those points, and there was unity. Time went on, and, and he moved on from our church. And, but I, I, this is a small community. I, I shop you know, locally, and so I bump into people all the time who've, 
who came through our, our doors through the years. And so anytime I see this gentleman, there's, there's peace there. There's unity there. We can give a handshake. There's goodwill. And, and, and that's what we're looking at this morning. How can you have relationships long-term even if you don't agree on everything? In fact, one of the most encouraging aspects of church life is, is this right here, is that we can experience a deep unity without requiring uniformity. We, we don't need to have uniformity. In fact, a church with uniformity is this. A church with uniformity is it gathers people from only the same walk of life. And, and it's sort of like, this is who belongs here. We have all the same thinking here. We, we have all the same ethnicity here. We have all the same backgrounds here. And, and it's a very narrow group of people. And this, if, if it's a church of uniformity, then that's the aim. It's just very, it's a, it's a small group where everybody sees every issue the same. Now, follow me on this analogy. How, how many of you have a favorite ice cream? I mean, I have, I have a favorite ice cream. I like ice cream, but I have a favorite ice cream. And the, if you have a favorite ice cream and you feel like, like I do about it, it's like you would prefer that every ice cream shop in the world served just this ice cream and you'd be okay with it. And so for me, it's this ice cream right here. It's called Gold Medal Ribbon. They serve it at Baskin Robbins. Uh, it's kind of disappointing. Our Baskin Robbins up here in Mission Grove got closed several years ago. I used to go there on... Uh, dollar scoop night, get a scoop of my favorite ice cream, and, and it's, it's a blend. In case you've never had this before, I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> it's a blend of creamy vanilla ice cream, rich, delicious chocolate with a thick swirl of caramel. And if you're really lucky, the, the scooper, the dipper, whatever you want to call the person, scooping, which I used to scoop ice cream at Thrifty's you know, years ago, uh, you know, they'll, they'll hit, like, you'll see, like, a big swirl, and you'll be like, hey, can you give me some of that? And, and they hit the vein, kind of like an artery, and you scoop that caramel, and you get that in there, and it's, it's a next-level ice cream experience, okay? It's so good. For me, it's like, thanks, Baskin-Robbins. I appreciate your effort, but I don't need your 30 other flavors. I just need gold medal ribbon. You can keep your baseball nut, cherries jubilee, mint chip, chocolate chip, horchata, whatever they're offering, I just want gold medal ribbon. And matter of fact, it was, I was checking out at, at uh, Albertsons with my, one of my sons, and, and I turned as I was walking to the cash register, and I saw on the end freezer a sale of Baskin-Robbin pints, two for six. I was like, oh, you know, and, and so I thought of it as sermon preparation. So, <laughs> so I brought some home. I got to prep for the weekend, honey. (laughs) I love that ice cream. Now, really, would I really just want this one flavor of ice cream? Yep, that's that's me. It has it all. I'm good with uniformity when it comes to my ice cream. But here's the deal. Nowhere in the Bible do we see God aiming at uniformity in his church. That's not the goal that God has set out for, uniformity. In fact, from the beginning, God... He made, when you look at the creation, you see everything made with such, such variety. And he gave the mandate that we as people would spread out across the earth, that we would fill the earth, Genesis 1, 28, that we'd fill the earth. And, and, and people didn't initially do that. They started trying to settle in one place, and God confused their language, really what forced them to scatter across the earth. 
And at that point in history, Genesis chapter 11, you see people uh, moving about the earth, and this began to mark distinction. It began to mark variety and differences in language and culture and ethnicity, and you see that going on. Now, for some, that is the fact that there is such wide variety. For some, that's really intriguing. And for others, that's really scary. But God actually calls us towards unity. Calls us to unity. And unity is most evident when people who are not like us gather together with us and honor Christ and worship Christ in his kingdom ways and together build a a Christ-like culture, a community of faith. In fact, some of the pictures that we have from scenes in heaven, uh, Revelation 5 and Revelation 7 is a book about future things. And uh, God gives... uh, some insight into what will be like in heaven in the book of Revelation. And here's one of those scenes. And it gives a picture of unity but diversity. Look at it. It says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. This is, this is wor- people worshiping Christ from all different backgrounds, worshiping Christ, the Lamb of God. It says that they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out in a loud voice. And here's what they declared. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The focus is on Christ. The focus is on Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who bore our deep red sin and cleansed us by shedding his own blood and then resurrecting from death so that we could be wiped clean as snow so the picture of the group wearing white robes is symbolic of the fact that we were dirty we were soiled we were filthy we were enemies of god we were opposed to god we were guilty our relationship with god was broken but because of christ he made us clean and those white robes represent the purity of people who've been cleansed and who've been forgiven you know and and we can't really get our minds around this image we can we can try to get our you know we can think through what this might look like, but there's not really a, a scene like this that we've ever experienced. The, both, the closest we might be able to find would be on earth, and I don't know if this is a great, but this is the Olympic closing ceremony. And you just, you get this variety. When you watch the Olympics, you see all these different countries uh, together, and there's a sense of unity, there's competition, and so that's where the analogy sort of breaks down here, but uh, but when you do see the variety of this, it's pretty powerful. And in church life, you can look around and you see sort of this variety of ages, of stages of life, of ethnicity, of background. People that have been raised in church, people that are new to church. And, and, and you see this gathering. It's very powerful. Heaven will be a diverse gathering of people who are united in worship. Not around their, their, their preferences, but they'll be united in worship around the Lamb of God who took away their sin. We'll be wearing white robes. For those who are in Christ, you'll be worshiping God. Worshiping the one who saved you. And and he is the only one that deserves honor and praise and focus like that. I want to invite you to take out this listening guide. And at the top, this should be in your program. At the top it says, unity is actually a mark of maturity. It's rare to find unity. Because we all naturally have our own preferences. And if we're not careful, we want to build life and church around our preferences. It's like we secretly want ourselves on the throne in the center. We don't, we don't need everyone to look like us, but it sure would be nice if everyone liked what we like and thought like we thought. But that type of uniformity isn't God's heart. It's not God's goal. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus actually prayed 
part of our, our regular prayer life is to be, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that scene in heaven is something we're to be praying about here and now, that we would experience a deep unity. And that's a real challenge, especially today with all of the issues that can divide us. Now, building unity was a, was a challenge in the first century. So we're going to look at a passage written in the first century uh, from one leader named Paul to a church in the city of Rome. Really, the, in, in many ways, the, the center of the world powers and the Roman Empire. There was a church that emerged there. And Paul writes, one of the church leaders writes, to talk about this issue of how to grow in unity. I want to look at this together. It's in Romans 14. We'll look at the first eight verses. It begins, Paul writes this to the church there, which this is a diverse kind of melting pot of people at the church in Rome at this point. Different backgrounds. Many of them with, with not Jewish even or, you know, no, no Jewish roots, not Christian roots, but people that had come from the world around them. It says this in Romans 14, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Disputable matters are the gray areas. Accept people. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn, condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. A few key points on how to grow in unity. The passage itself, when you read it, you see that this passage is written and aimed at the more mature Christ followers. The burden of keeping unity is on the more mature, not the younger ones in the faith. It, if you've been walking with Christ for a long time, it is your responsibility to keep unity. It is, it is a responsibility for you to protect unity and for you to, to help those that are, that are newer in their faith. Paul puts the challenge on the more mature, those who've been walking with Christ for a long time. Now, there's some, the principles apply regardless of how long you've been around. But first thing, welcome those who are still working things out. So Paul writes in verse 1, Romans 14.1, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Welcome others. Accept him. Accept, in the, in the Greek, it, just, it describes a, a gracious hospitality. You're just opening up your arms. You're, you're receiving people who, who are different from you. It's to welcome one in. And it means to receive the one who is, whose faith is weak. When Paul describes this, it almost seems like he's saying that, that the weaker are, are less than in the faith. But really what it describes, he's not describing people who are less in the faith, but that they have a weaker understanding of the faith. They're fully in the faith. They're totally Christ's followers. They're fully in the faith, but they're still working it out in their life. It's new to them. They're still working it out. So their faith is weaker in that sense. And as their faith is getting firmed up, for a newer person whose faith is getting firmed up, Paul writes, look, don't get into disputes over undeveloped yet sincere opinions that people have that are different than yours. He says, don't, don't get into those disputes. Those, those are disputable matters. It's accept people who are still working it out. Every church is made up of people who have some different yet sincere thoughts and opinions. 
on, on issues, which God gives freedom and space. And there's such a wide range of issues and preferences that we can allow to divide us. Look at an example, several examples of this. What kind of music do you prefer? I mean, this, this is sometimes a dividing issue for churches and for people. You have the more formal orchestra, and you have the rock concert. And, and, and then we could put four or five other versions of, of church music and styles up. And you might say, yeah, I, I gravitate towards this particular kind. Don't let that divide our church. Or this, what, what kinds of instruments are allowed on the stage? Not that we could roll a pipe organ in here. You know, we're a portable church, so there's sort of limitations for us. But, but for some, this can be an issue of, of division. Like, hey, where's the, I don't know what, what it might be. The, the, I don't know. Where's that? Where's that instrument? <laughs> or what about this? What about translations of the Bible? What do you, what do you teach here? What, out of what translation of the Bible? Do you, treat, do you teach out of the King James Version? Do you teach out of the International, uh, the New International Version? Do you teach out of the, the New Living Translation? Do you teach out of the English Standard Version? Uh, you know, we, we teach out of uh, a translation, an English translation of the Bible. And uh, uh, if, if, if we taught as close to the original as we could, it would, it would go over everyone's head. You know, unless you you can read Greek and, and understand Greek or Hebrew. I mean, and so we're looking at English translations to the best of our uh, ability and scholarship that we can. We trusted versions. We say, okay, we'll teach out of those. Okay, and, and we we have a range that we'll work with when it comes to teaching from from our stage. But but this can be a dividing issue for some. What about this denominations or groups that you identify with? Where you come out of? What, what kind of church is this? Are you Baptist? Are you Methodist? Are you Lutheran? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Reformed? Are you, and on and on and on. These are dividing issues for some. What about this? Do you drink coffee or tea? Does your church provide both? I mean, we do now. We had stopped offering tea for a while just because we were trying to trim some expenses. Tea's pretty, pretty inexpensive, and so it's back out there again. A lot of people are requesting, bring back the tea. And so we brought the tea back. And so there's tea and there's coffee and, and and you're probably really excited about that. Uh, but for some, this issue might be a dividing issue. What about this? What, what type of movies you see, you're willing to see? And do you judge people that, that, you judge people that watch rated R movies? Now, you need to think through the issue. There's some, there's, if you're a Christ follower, there's some, there's some movies that in this category that I, I can't see how, how you might convince yourself it's a good thing for you. Beyond rated R? I'm pretty sure we're talking black and white issue there. That it's, but you got to use good judgment on this issue, don't you? For some people, it's like it's G or nothing. <laughs> I'll take it up to PG. Some will go PG-13. Some go R. And, and where do you fall? That's a dividing issue for some. And when we start talking about the issue, people begin to to take sides, and strong opinions are communicated. What about your political party? Where do you line up? Again, this is a dividing issue. When it comes time to vote, man, whoo, be careful. <laughs> it get, people get real tense and sensitive about this issue. What about dating practices? Speed dating. Uh, I don't know what that is over in the corner top. It's, not, it's probably not a blind date unless it's going really well. 
<laughs> They're just drawn to each other. Let's sit really close. <laughs> or, or, or online dating. And, you know, there's just, again, this, you know, you might, you might have, have had one direction for how you, you, you dated, and you might have a strong opinion about some of the things people are doing. Well, that's a divisive issue potentially. What about education, private, public, charter, homeschool? The list just goes on and on and on, and some of these are really important issues which require wisdom, and it can get heated, and it can get real personal real fast. And so Paul's guidance, it helps us. He says, make room, make room. Except people who, who, who have differences on this. These are disputable gray matters. There are some issues that are just not crystal clear to us and so what we do is we get into the bible for ourselves and you need to do that if you're trying to walk with christ you can't just say hey what do i do about that get into the bible for yourself get to know god's word we can help point you in a direction dig into god's word but then you have to make the best judgment call you can make on the issues the command here is acceptance where the scripture is not clear next and equally important is this is remember that god receives them God receives the person who has a different uh, preference and opinion than you do. If they're in the faith, God has received them. Unity builds as, as we keep this in mind. If God has accepted them, then who am I to reject them? Now, don't, don't confuse acceptance with the essentials of the Christian faith. There, there are some, we're talking about the non, we're talking about the negotiables, but in, in the Bible, there are some non-negotiable black and white issues. And we, we would say, for us, those are our core uh, doctrinal points. We call that our statement of faith. And we list out our statement of faith on our website. And these are on the black and white issues that we say, here is what the Scripture teaches clearly. And, and this is our beliefs. If you want to know our beliefs about God, about Jesus Christ, about the Bible, about sin, about the human condition, about future things, and on and on, we, we look at the core issues. And, and we also teach through those in, in class 101. And we lay those out so people know, what does OCC believe about these things we want you to know what our church believes about the black and white but if you line up on the essential issues of the christian faith and then decide to have a different opinion on a non-essential issue than than i do or than someone else does that's okay that's what the passage is saying that's okay which is why paul writes look at verses two and three one man's faith allows him to eat anything or eat everything but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does for god has accepted him what's difficult i think for so many of us is to really believe in our mind that another person can have a valid opinion on something that is different than an issue we've wrestled with ourselves once we conclude it's really hard for us to make room for other opinions literally in these verses you have sort of the dividing difference of the meat eaters and the, and the vegetarians. And maybe that's an issue that you have a strong opinion on. Or maybe it is a food issue. There are certain foods that you'd say we can eat or we shouldn't eat. And maybe you, you would say this is a big deal. But there are so many of these divisive issues. In, in Rome, in the church, apparently this was one of the situations that Paul was, that was the occasion that he was writing about in this situation. But within church circles today, there's, there's a pretty, there's, there's different issues. That, that actually might still be an issue 
in your life or in, in people's lives here. Uh, this is a pretty difficult theological issue. The question of, of the return of Christ, the timing of the return of Christ, that, that's an issue that uh, people have different opinions on within the church. When will Christ return? The one thing that we know with certainty, the black and white issue in relationship to the, Christ, the return of Christ, is that we're told in the Bible in many places that Christ's return is certain and it's, it's imminent, meaning it could happen at any moment. It's, it's going to happen, crystal clear. It's going to happen, and it could happen at any moment, and so you need to be ready, and we need to help other people get ready because this is going to happen. We don't know when, but when it comes to the specific timing, there, there are about four major views within Christianity and Bible-believing There are about four major end-time views, and some of those views actually have views and positions within those views. And so there's a lot of room for different opinions on this issue. And sometimes we're tempted, and people will camp out on one issue and dig in right there and try to make this, this is a black-and-white done deal issue in Scripture. Come on, you've got to see it. You've got to see it. But in Scripture, the issue of timing is not crystal clear. He's coming back. And we need to be ready. That's, that's the, the clear issue, black and white. Now, I have an opinion on the timing of Christ's return. But God has accepted the opinion of my brother and my sister in the church, in the faith, who, who may have a different opinion. And there's room for that. Back, back to the passage. Paul, Paul urges us to refuse to judge what another approves. Refuse to pass judgment on what another person decides on the disputable matters. Verse 4, it's, it's sometimes so difficult to hold our tongue with others who hold a different opinion. Even if we hold our tongue, it's very difficult to, 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 to rein in our thoughts and refuse thoughts of judgment where God gives freedom, where the issue is not black and white. It's very difficult to rein in our thoughts and not be a judging person towards people who do differently. And so the next verse reads this, verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. So, so what if you're a vegetarian? So what if you're a meat eater? We're so tempted towards legalism on lesser issues. Paul says, look, your brothers and your sisters in the faith, younger, older, of such wide variety, God will sustain them. He'll hold them up. If they're in the faith, God will hold them up. And so the rhetorical question, who are you to judge? Paul says, who are you? To judge someone else's servant. This is, this is God's servant. They're in the faith. That's a stinging rhetorical question. He's saying, look, God sustains those who are, hit, those who are his. So as you look out amongst the wide variety of Bible-believing Christ followers, those who claim Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and those who would say the Bible is the guide for all things, as you look out amongst the wide variety of, of, of people who have different opinions, honor and respect them as individuals, and keep the focus on the one who sustains us all. That's what Paul's saying. Keep the focus on God. He's, he'll hold us up. And keep this in mind. Christ has accepted us. And you have different opinions. Christ has accepted us. Where he's given you freedom, where it's gray, he's accepted you and given you some space and some freedoms on, on some of these issues. When I was weaker in the faith meeting, when I was a child in my faith, I would learn something new about some section of the Bible, and I'd be tempted to camp out right there, and I wanted to tell everybody about my opinion. 
And I'd get really excited and I'd cross-reference and find other things to support my opinion. But over time, I'd start listening and asking more questions about other ways of looking at that issue and then realize maybe it's not quite as clear as I thought. You need to get a fuller understanding of God's word and God's ways. So I just say, get to know God's word for yourself. And be careful that you're not gravitating towards something that's a non-essential and making that the, the main thing. Also on the back side here, a few uh, final points. If I desire to grow my influence, meaning if I want to grow my leadership, number one, evaluate my personal preferences and strong opinions. Ask yourself often, am I really that convinced on this? Look at verses 5 and 6. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Paul writes, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. As you're working things out on the issues that are non-essential, are you fully convinced about your position and your opinion? And if so, why are you convinced? Make sure, make sure if you say, this is, this is the way I see it, make sure you have some good support and that you're really convinced about that issue. And my advice would be go slow on forming your opinion. Go slow. And then also just be very considerate of the people around you who, who may have a different opinion. Don't, you don't need to broadcast your opinion on those non-essential issues. That only makes it awkward for people in, in group settings. It only makes it difficult when you're in a small group or in a friendship circle and you're talking about your opinion, your preference, and, and, and you know that it's different. And it's easy for people to line up together and one person to feel like, wow, I'm, I'm lesser than. So my advice, go slow on forming your opinions. If I have a sliver of doubt on, on something that I could be wrong, I need to be really careful on how I express my opinion. Verse 6, he who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains from eating meat does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. I like how Paul reminds us to wrestle with the focus of why do we do what we do. Wrestle with the focus of it. Is it for the Lord? Or is it really about me? Also, if I want to have a broader impact among people, then I choose to do this. I choose to limit my freedom to have unlimited impact. Leaders limit their freedoms in order to help other people grow in their faith. Which issues that God has given you freedom on, meaning which of those gray areas might be cutting off your, your life from other people, from relating to other people who might have a different opinion. Whenever I exercise my freedoms, how does that impact my relationships? Are people repelled or are they damaged through the use of our freedoms? That's the question we need to wrestle with. And if I'm a, a Christ follower, am I representing him well? And so Paul writes this in verses 7 and 8. For none of us, very important concluding passage here, for, for none of us, lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. Leaders in the church are those who move beyond their personal preference, and they live to the Lord, and they limit the use of their freedoms. Those gray areas, they, they could exercise freedom. Maybe Christ gives you freedom in some things, Leaders actually ask the greater question of how is this going to impact my brothers and sisters if I exercise this freedom? Will this repel people? Will this help people? Will this help people come to know Christ and grow up in him? Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, different book, he actually goes so far with a different church and he says, 
if my personal preference is becoming a stumbling block that's preventing someone from really knowing Christ and growing in their relationship with Christ, Paul says, then I'll hold back from exercising my freedoms. I'll stop doing that thing that is repelling people. Sure, he says, sure, I can do it. Christ gives me permission to do it. But, but Paul says, I'll stop doing that if it's causing people to stumble. Because he says, I don't want to get in the way of what God is doing in another person's life. And whenever we grip too tightly to our personal freedoms and opinions, it, it, I think it expresses a fear of missing out, sort of like a FOMO. I think we grip really tightly to our personal freedoms because we think, man, the next life is going to be a dud, and so I need to get it all here and now. I need to make sure I just enjoy it here and now. And it's the fear-driven issue, I think, in some cases. But faith moves us to open up our hands on some issues and limit ourselves now with a confidence knowing that the best is yet to come. That's what the verse says. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. This life on earth is not the end. This is the front porch of eternity. And that will be an unimaginable experience of goodness, of relationships, of, of, of joy. Faith moves us beyond just our opinions here and now. As our worship team joins me back, back up on the stage, a great verse to end with comes later in the same chapter in Romans 14. Verse 19 says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. All of us, this is to all of us, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and unity, building others up. Again, we can do all we can to move towards peace and unity. It's not always easy. In fact, it's pretty messy when we decide to just step into the messiness of, of different opinions and have relationships with people it's not easy but it pleases god when we make room for people who are moving towards god we don't make the minor points the major dividing issues um, we decide i don't want to get in the way of someone moving towards god if you're not yet a christ follower and you're here this morning uh, and you need more clarity on hey what is the black and white issues of the christian faith i'm not yet sure that i'm a christ follower i'm not yet sure that i'm a christian and i've nailed down that issue of appearing before christ one day if you need help in that please let us know on the back of your connection card there's a there's a box you can check and it says i'd like to learn more about beginning relationship with jesus christ and we would love to clarify with you on what that means i hope for everyone i hope this has been a helpful message this morning and i'm sure it has raised some other questions and so on your own i would just really encourage and even challenge you to read again romans 14 and then read first corinthians chapter 8 and study both of those passages and take a look at these issues again. A good question to wrestle with as we wrap up is, do I want to be known by my opinions? Do I want to be known for my preferences and my habits? Or do I want to be known for my love of God and my love for people? That, I think that really challenges us to live to the Lord. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we, as we conclude. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to look at your, your word. And thank you for the guidance you give us. This is a challenging subject, but you give us tremendous help. Help us to make room for one another and give space and be gracious to one another. Lord, I pray for unity, a marked unity in, in the 
congregation, the church here at OCC. Help us to be unified around the major points. And help us, Father, to not pass judgment. Help us to not draw dividing lines over things that are opinion and preference. God, we thank you for your help. We thank you for each person that's here and the work you're doing in each of our lives. We ask you to help us to keep moving forward with you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.